Well, let's pray. Let's get started with that. How's everybody? Good. It's good to see you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this church. We just invite you in right now, Holy Spirit, to come to touch every heart, to remove the lies, to remove the discouragement. Pull the blinders off, God. Break every chain. Pull the earmuffs off, Lord. Let us hear you. Penetrate our hearts, God. We thank you so much that you're right here, right now, moving in and through us, doing what you want to do. We submit to you. In your mighty name I pray, amen. Um, I just wanted to uh, say hi to everybody on the live stream and everyone in here. My name is Jeff Pankman. I am the new executive pastor. Um, as Pastor David said, I started, um, actually January 3rd was my first day. My ordination was on the 9th. Um, you, you probably, well, some of you might actually be out there confused as to why I'm in this role. Um, you might be happy, you might be mad, I don't really know. I don't really know myself. Uh, I'm just excited that I'm, uh, I'm in the path that the Lord has me on, and it's led to here. And it's hard not to cry just thinking about it. Um, but uh, um, the, if the title of this message today is called From My Dirt to My Destiny. And I, I, I have a lot to say about that. Uh, I may not get to all of it, but the second part of this will be on the 17th at Activate Night, and that one will be called From Your Dirt to Your Destiny. So I want what's going on now to stir something up inside of you so that when we come back on that Wednesday night, we can activate it. That's what that's for, activation. So um, a little bit of something about me. I am... Uh, I'm still a registered nurse, have been for 22 years. Um, I'm not currently working in healthcare. Well, I am, but not in, I'm working in healthcare, but in ministry form. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I love to play, pray for the sick. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. The Lord had showed me um, recently that I've been in the healing ministry for a long, long time. Um, and I, and I get, I'll get, I have a lot of years to talk about all that stuff, so I'm super excited about it. Um, I, I actually worked in several different areas at the hospital, um, emergency room, regular floors, operating room, cardiac cath lab, and had the opportunity to get promoted to administrative side of things in uh, 2012. Um, that kind of led me to where to where I am today, and I'm going to get to that right now. First, I'm going to tell you about three times where the Lord moved in my life, and I knew something was different, and that he had me, he had me, he saved my life for a reason. And I'm going to go quicker on these than I did last service. But number one, when I was born, uh, I was born with a collapsed lung. Do you guys remember the old hospital on uh, Weber? Um, I forget the name of it. It's closed down now. PNS, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's my mom. <laughs> the uh, the doctor said I look good. Send him home. 
sent him home. And I uh, wasn't good. And so I ended up going to Driscoll to the, to the neonatal intensive care and they got me fixed up. So I had, um, I had an encounter with death at that moment. They said I had 50-50 chance of living. I could have gone home and I probably would have died at home. That was 1975. We didn't have the best health care back then as, or as good as we do now. Um, it's going to be a lot harder to do this with you there, Mom. I love you, but I'm going to cry even more. Um, so after that, you know, as a kid growing up, my mom would bring that story up and she would say, I know that the Lord has something very special planned for your life because he saved your life as a baby. He, he made a way for you to be here. And I know that he has something very special planned for you. And when you're a kid, you don't really, you don't really grasp that concept. You know, you're like, I said in the first service, you're like, where's my tinker toys? But um, most people don't even know what tinker toys are. So now it would be where's, you know, you're more concerned about Legos and video games and that kind of stuff than you are about God has a plan for my life and he saved me and he's destined me and called me and all the things, right? So as a, you know, I, I know that there's something there. My mom has planted that seed. God saved your life for a reason and there's something special. Um, fast forward to my teenage years and I'm in the back of a pickup truck on the beach um, driving very fast. Um, my friends are driving. I'm in the back with a nine foot surfboard that weighs about a hundred pounds fishing poles and we're doing 90 and, um, right up next to the water, the, the sand's harder next to the water. So if you're going down to big shell, you stay as far as you can where it's harder. So you don't have to go into four wheel drive. Um, it's, it's dark, it's nighttime. I'm looking through the window and I see a giant log across the street, across the road where we're driving. So the driver at 90 hits the wheel as hard as he can. We kind of make a sharp left-hand turn and we hit this embankment and we launch up in the air, land on the sand. As, as that happens, the guy in the passenger seat in the middle, it was a single cab pickup, so we just packed as many people in there as you could back then. The guy in the middle, his foot hits the accelerator, and we turn and go f full speed into the water, about two, two feet deep, and the water splashes up in the air. And then the driver has his wits about him by then, pulls out and gets back onto hard ground. And I'm in the back probably, I don't know, 17, 16, 17, not really serving the Lord, going after the things of the world, confused, you know, a lot of 16, 17-year-olds are in that same spot. Um, but I have an understanding that like an angel just came and saved my life because there's no way that I'm still in the back of this truck and the surfboard and the fishing poles and nothing came out at 90 miles an hour flying in the air and I'm, and I'm okay. Um, that was a crazy encounter that marked me. Um, and then we got back on the road and got back up to 90 again. Um, I was, but I was thinking we should probably slow down. Uh, the next time I was in my early 20s, uh, we'd been drinking at a bar, my friend and I, and um, we went to get in the car. And, the, and long story short, we're driving. It was a souped up El Camino. 
go went really 69 El Camino, really sweet. I mean, like touch the pedal and the it, the tires would spin. Um, there's a, a policeman behind us as we're driving that wants us to pull over, but my friend doesn't want to pull over, so we accelerate and they they're farther back from us at that point. And we're doing 150 or so in San Antonio on the street, and we go off the road. The car's old, so I don't have a seatbelt on. Uh, I'm in the passenger seat without a seatbelt. We go off the road. Just so happens that the Lord miraculously orchestrated it, that there's concrete buildings on one side, and there's a ditch on the other, and we're right in between those off the road. And, and there's driveways that go to these buildings. And so we're hitting these driveways like this, going 150. And, and ahead of us is a concrete freeway. Like if you were on Staples going to SPID and you see the concrete of the freeway. We're heading towards that. We're slowing down because of the, the curbs that are breaking our fall. We launch in the air. We hit a, fl a flagpole. The flagpole bends down enough to where the bottom of the flagpole grabs the axle, rips it off the car, and spins us about 20 feet from hitting the concrete freeway. And I, I immediately realized I had another encounter where God saved my life. And angelic, holy spirit, I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but he did. The cops showed up sometime later, and I jumped out of the car because I didn't want to get a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt. My friend had to be pried out with the jaws of life because there was some damage. And uh, I'm, I survived. And here I am three times. I know that the Lord has done something. So there's this question. What does it mean that you have something special for my life? What does that mean? Because we all have something special for our life. It's not just me. I'm not unique. I'm, I, am, I am unique, but I'm not special. Oh, I'm special, but I'm, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm no better than the rest of y'all, because you all have a call on your life, too. And you probably all have your own story of where God has saved your life. So don't dismiss that. Use it. War with it. Tell him, I know you saved me. I know you did. I know that this is where you want me to go, and I want to submit to that process. Another time when I was a kid, we, were, we had some friends over, close friends of ours. They were praying for my sister because she was a little bit rebellious. And they, um, they actually had a prophetic word to my, my parents saying that I was called to the ministry. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about that. I wasn't involved in that. But over the years, my mom had mentioned it to me. So that was another thing that was kind of sitting back there, called to the ministry. Fast forward to March of 2014, my wife and I come to Rock City Church. Pastor David, with his long hair and all of his fireworks, we're like, man, yeah. We, we, uh, we, go, to the, we go to the service, and it's a weekend with uh, Prophet Kevin. First time we came. And a lot of y'all know the story. He, he meets us in the parking lot and says, y'all need to come back tonight. It's going to be great. My wife and I come back. She, get ba she gets baptized in the Holy Ghost and her, gets her prayer language out in the hallway with some praying mamas. And it's an awesome experience. But in that moment, I'm up here, and y'all you, you know Kevin, Prophet Kevin well. 
um, he's looking at me, you know, and he'll he'll look at you and pastor in my face in my face pastor. So, I mean, he does that to a lot of people, right? But you leave here going, what does that mean? What it what it? It's confusing. One month later, after that encounter, where Kevin yelled in my face, I am at, I'm at work, and I had started a job as a project manager, so I had crossed over from clinical to administrative, and, uh, and the Lord was, showed up in my office. I, w- I used to listen to YouTube on, behind, like, on my computer, but as I'm working, it would be playing in the background. And I would have my YouTube spiritual fathers playing. And because I didn't have spiritual fathers back then, I just had YouTube spiritual fathers, right? And, and in this pre-recorded video, the, the person speaking says, he has, a word of, he has a word of knowledge for the group. And he says, someone in here, the Lord is calling you to ministry. And in that moment, the, the presence of God came into my office and I heard an audible voice. And I heard him say, I'm calling you to ministry. April 24th, 2014. In that moment, I I didn't want to be one of those people who quit their job and go apply at a church, right? Because that's not necessarily what God wants you to do. It could be if if you're really led by him. But I knew that it was going to be a process. I knew that it meant I needed to submit to what he wanted to do. And continue serving as I was, whether it's, I think I was helping with the usher team and things like that. Um, I, it still wrecks me thinking about that encounter with the Lord because it was, it was so unique and so special, yet so long ago. And sometimes you can get discouraged. Sometimes you can get concerned about whether or not you heard God right, whether or not what he said is going to happen. And I want to really encourage you today. That, that's my main goal is encouraging you today. That same year, I would wake up with the Lord stamping a scripture on my heart. And it's been my life scripture since then. And it's Zechariah 4, 6, and 7. And I'm going to read it to you uh, briefly this morning. Then he said to me, this addition of the bowl to the candlestick, causing it to yield a ceaseless supply of oil from the olive trees, is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts, For who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles, before Zerubbabel, with who Joshua had led the return of the exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him? You shall become a plain, a mere molehill, and he shall bring forth the finishing gable stone of the new temple with loud shoutings of the people crying, Grace, grace to it. That scripture has a lot, that whole, that, 
Zechariah in itself has a whole lot of meaning and a lot of things that the Lord has taught us and done in my wife and I through that. And I'll get into that at some point later in, in my life and in our process. But for, for this, just focusing on him as, as the source, it's not by my might, it's not my, by, by my power, but it's by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the physical presence of God for the earth. Funny story. I had a, an encounter with a Muslim doctor at work one day, and I was asking the Lord to teach me what words of wisdom were. And he came to me sarcastically a little bit and said, what is this Holy Spirit thing? And I right, I mean, it hit me hard. It, I just said, the Holy Spirit is the physical presence of God on the earth. And ever since that day, it's burned that into my heart. And he, he just kind of looked at me. I hope I hope that it impacted him. Here I am at the hospital. I'm I'm getting promotions. I'm a director now. I have people working with me, for me, under me. I'm learning, I'm developing. I'm still asking the Lord, is this where you want me to be? Is this where you want me to be? Um I got to this this place in my life. And my wife is, is witness of this, where I would say, God, you're, you've blessed us. You've blessed my career. I, I have notoriety, if you will. I have people calling me sir. I have people submitted to me, and I'm learning how to lead them. However, is this where you want me? I'm making six figures at this time, and I'm thinking, this is super cool. I did that for a couple years, and then my, my buddy Ryan Jones calls me and says, hey, can I come to the hospital to talk to you? And I said, yes, and he comes, he comes over, and we're visiting, and he says, I was praying for you, and I saw a vision of hospital doors opening wide and you getting promoted. So, you know, when you hear that, you're thinking, yes, that's awesome. And two weeks later, my boss announced she was retiring, and I called Ryan and said, dude, I don't know what's happening right now, but my boss just announced this, and he said, okay, you're the guy. Go tell him you're the guy. So I went straight to the leadership and said, I'm the guy to take on this role. It was a, a assistant vice president role. And they kind of looked at me and just said, you don't have enough gray hair, and um, but thank you for considering. And they couldn't fill the position. It took another year and a half, two years, and then there was discussions of me taking the role, and then I was, I was hired for the position. So as you can imagine, that comes with money, that comes with authority. I had over 200 people reporting to me, $12 million operating budget. Um, capital budget, just depending on what we're buying, could be in the hundreds of thousands to the millions, those types of things. I'm developing teams. I love, I love my, my folks over there. I love my directors. I had five directors reporting to me. But something was still in my heart like, Lord, is this really what you want? Is this really what you want? And I would drive to work. I, I would take Ocean. I live in the bluff. I would take Ocean Drive to work every day. For 21 years, I took Ocean Drive to work every single day. Can you imagine how awesome that is? And I would say, I lay, I lay all my crowns at your feet, God. 
I don't need money. I don't need fame. I'll mow yards. I don't, I don't, I'll clean toilets. I don't want to do anything that you haven't called me to do. I'm not saying that to toot my horn because trust me, that is not a, a horn tooting experience. Because it hurts when you, when you do truly surrender. I'm talking I surrender my marriage. I surrender my children. I surrendered my finances. I surrendered my family, my parents. Like I said, it's all yours. And then I get promoted and I'm frustrated. I'm happy, but frustrated. And I even, I even said this to the Lord. I don't recommend it, but I said it to him. What's next, God? You're going to make me a vice president? <clears throat> I think my wife was concerned about me saying that kind of stuff to the Lord, which I would be too. I told him, I thought you called me into the ministry when I was a kid. I thought you came in my office, told me that you called me. Had a little pity party. You know, there's a lot of th supporting things that come with this. Like Prophet Kevin, every time he comes, yelling pastor in my face, telling me that one day my wife and I will have our own church. How overwhelming is that? Pastor Chisholm, David Chisholm saying, the rod and the staff of God will comfort many people through your hands. That's a lot of pressure when the apostle is telling you that. Pastor David had multiple prophetic words for me about it. Even, even the first night here, Prophet Kevin told him I would be his number two. That was eight years ago. How long does the seed have to grow? And I mean, it's a long time sometimes. How long do we have to cultivate the seed, Lord? I remember telling Mama Colleen one time in the foyer, they, they want me to get a, my master's degree as part of this so that I can move up to the next level. And she goes, oh, no, honey, you don't need to do that. It would be a waste of time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you talk to really prophetic people, she's a, she was a prophetess. Um, you look at them like, what does she know? <laughs> you kind of like stare in their eyes. See if you can see something. <clears throat> Do you, tell me what you see on the other side. But I knew that that was, uh, that was very much for me a, um, just a, and a give, gave me the awareness that I didn't need to pursue that. Because I had already tried, I, I already tried getting my MBA once, getting an MPA once, took classes and just didn't feel like the Lord was leading me in that direction. So for her, for her to say that to me was just more confirmation that I didn't need to. But it still left me confused. Where, where, what are we doing? I knew that this was a training ground. Me and Pastor David talked about it all often. He would say, it's a training ground. You're learning, bro. You're learning, bro. You're learning. <laughs> I, and I would say, I know, but it's just, I'm, I'm trapped between discouragement and excitement. I know that he's called me to do this. I know that that's out there, but I'm still here. And, and it leads me to, to the scripture that I would meditate on because you re remember the Apostle Paul had 
probably very similar conversations that he and I have had about this. And Paul, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, he said, Do not neglect the gift that is in you. And when I read this, I put my name in it. Jeff, do not, de- do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things, Jeff. Give yourself entirely to them, Jeff, that, you, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, Jeff, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. I know there's people in here right now, not because I'm prophetic, but because after first service, a bunch of them came and told me. (laughs) But I know that you're in here going, I got a seed. I got a seed. I know it's planted. Right? So in the midst of all of this mystery and process, my wife wants to have a baby. And I'm, I'm 46, right? <laughs> and she, she brought it up again a couple years ago, a little over two years ago. She brought it up again, and I said, babe, we already hashed this out. Like, we already decided that this is not, we're not going to do it. And in my mind, I'm thinking this is going to sabotage ministry. It's going to sabotage what the Lord has me set up for in the future. It's going to, it's going to make it so hard, right? Which really it has made it hard, but like, (laughs) it was a warning. (laughs) It was a warning. So she, she's, we're laying in bed one night and she says, no, I really think that we should do this. And she said, I know that we've talked and we've closed the door, but my, my friends say, my friend said, it's a dream in my heart, so we should talk about it. <laughs> and I started manifesting right there about like, no, no, it's not, it can't be God. It can't be, we're not gonna be able to. And then, then I just felt the Lord right then. I know why I'm so mad. And I just looked at her and said, babe, let's do it. I know I'm so mad. I'm manifesting because I know it's God's will and I'm, I'm fighting it. So um, we had to do some surgical stuff and things to get it, all that. It was miraculous in how it all occurred, um, but it, it was really, really good. I, I can, I'm happy to tell that story, but not right now. <laughs> Autumn Rain was born. She is a fireball. She is awesome. She is just like her mom. Um, she looks like me. How cool is that? <laughs> uh, last the winter before last, my wife and Autumn both got COVID, and they were pretty sick at home. And it was it was hard for weeks and weeks and fever and just challenging. And um, I asked the Lord. I was I think I was holding Autumn on the couch crying crying out for help because you know you get you get so tired and you just get overwhelmed and I, I'm crying out to God and I, I got to say this I don't know why but I heard this a couple days ago from an intercessor guy but he said tears are liquid prayers it's when you've gone beyond words and the Lord sees your tears as liquid prayers 
and I'm crying. And I, I love the story of Zechariah 4, 6 and the, the, the bowl that holds the oil and the candles all around the bowl. And if you don't know that story, go read Zechariah 4, 6. You'll love it. We're going we're gonna to learn more about that in the future. But the, the bowl holds the oil. The oil is fed from two trees, one on either side. And the oil feeds the candles. And the bowl has seven candlesticks. So I'm telling the Lord, I feel like you're adding more oil. You're adding a bowl on top of my life to give me more oil to hold your, your spirit, God. To hold your power. To, hold, to give me the ability to do what you've called me to do. You're adding this to my life. And he said, yes, but your candlesticks, ha- your candlestick has six candles and I've called you to have seven. Now, if you don't know that, if you don't know what that means, I had six children when he said that to me. And I knew immediately he was calling me to have a seventh child. That's hard. We're a blended family. If you don't know our history, I'm happy to share it with you. It's It's fun. Seven children is what the Lord said. So I, after a few days, I, my wife was still recovering from COVID. I said to her, babe, I'm pretty sure the Lord just told me that we're supposed to have seven children. And she said, I don't think he did. <laughs> and if he did, can it be adoption? And I said, I don't know. It's not, I don't really even know. I'm just telling you what I heard and I want you to pray about it and see if you get confirmation, if you hear something, cause I don't, I don't want to, what if I didn't hear it right? Or it's, you know, so she prayed and she got confirmation and a week or two later, she said, yes, I, we do. Uh, I, I heard from God and yes, we do need to have another one. So here I am 46. I have a almost two-year-old and a three-month-old, and it is fun. <laughs> it's fun. And, all, and I told my wife recently, remember when I would manifest about having kids? This is why. <laughs> this is why. But you still have to be obedient, right, to the Lord. You can't, you can't say, no, I, I don't like that piece, Lord, but then expect him to still get you through the process and the mystery of the middle part. (laughs) My little one's name is Olive Joanne, and I call her OJ. Because I don't think OJ should be a derogatory name. She's special. The, the beginning of January this last year, I had really come to a place in my life where I knew that I was at peace. And I had asked the Lord enough times, am I where you want me to be? To really, him just give me the okay, like you're fine right now. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I, I worked at a hospital, so there were sick people all around me, and I loved to pray for the sick. So it worked out well. When my friends would come with their kids, I'd get to go and hang out with them, pray over their babies, pray with them, answer questions if I had questions that I could answer with my expertise, pray for my employees. That was fun. I saw a lady get healed from cancer in her spine. She was mean. (laughs) She... And she's, I saw her recently and she's doing great and she's happy. Um, I, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. So I felt, okay, this is where you want me. I'm comfortable. 
I didn't stop asking. I always, I always would ask, Lord, where do you want me to be? Is this what you want me to do? Am I doing what you've called me to do? I don't want to miss it. Make it obvious. I'm not that smart. You got to make it obvious. This is just me. I'm sure y'all are very smart. In January, I felt good. In February, I'm in a meeting on Zoom, and I hear the Lord say to me, write your resignation letter. And I told Pastor David this. And he's, his response is always, whoa. <laughs> the problem with that is I was at peace in January. And then in February, I, I hear this. So then it stirs up all the emotions of, well, but I was at peace. And why would you do that now? And I was happy. And now I got to go back to being happy again, somehow still with this idea of this resignation letter. So I write the letter after this meeting. I save it on my computer, and I said, I'm going to leave it here until it's time. I don't know what that means. It could be years, months. could be days. That's the same letter I submitted to my, my boss on November. I think it was November 3rd of last year. I submitted that same letter that I wrote. And on February 3rd, I submitted it to my boss. That's how the Lord works when you're... When you're when you can't figure it out, he's figuring it out for you. About midway through the year, I again, I'm constantly prompting the Lord, am I where you want me to be? Is this what you want me to do? I lay all my crowns at your feet. I don't want to be out of your will. I submit everything to you. I don't need money. I don't need, I don't need the house. You can have the house. You can have the, I mean, I'm, I give everything to him constantly. And uh, I said, how much longer am I going to be here, Lord, at the hospital? And I saw the number 12. And I'm not a super spiritual guy. I don't see angels swirling around and all kinds of stuff. But when I do have spiritual encounters, I really hang on to them. And I meditate on them. And I ask the Lord what they mean. So I'm looking around in my office thinking I saw a 12 on the wall. Maybe there was a calendar and I just saw a 12. And, but there was nothing in there. So I knew that 12 was unique. So I wrote the 12 down on a sticky note. I have a picture of it. I didn't send it to them, but I have a picture of the sticky note that I'm looking at right now. And it says on there, the number 12 means government. Government is the means by which people are united into common purposes and goals. Right? I didn't know what else the 12 men, 12 men I'm thinking 12 months, 12 years. What does the 12 mean, Lord? You probably know what it means. I was just not paying attention, I guess. Pastor David and I started having conversations in August of last year about this move and praying about it and asking timing-wise and all those things. We, my wife and I really started having hard conversations about it, asking the Lord what it looks like, seeking answers, because you, you leave a place you were at for 21 years. I have an have a amazing retirement fund. I mean, it, the benefits, the perks. I had access to the doctor's lounge. All of the chef-prepared meals, I gained like 20 pounds just because of that. Every meal, all you can eat, chef-prepared meals in the doctor's lounge. So we're asking the Lord, what does it look like? Do you want us to do it? Do you not want us to do it? Is it the right time? We know, we know it's coming, but is this the right time? 
And it was a very unique experience for me those few months where I was seeking the Lord because it wasn't like new, nice, nice New Testament God, right? Now, I'm not saying that to be derogatory, but it was like the fear of God was upon me. And I understood that you cannot, you cannot do what I've done for the last eight years and then not be obedient. I would cry out to God, write my name in Hebrews 11, God. And then when it came down to it, the Lord's like, you've been asking me for eight years. I go, Lord, but what, what about my retirement plan and my insurance? Isn't that, you, you, know, you know how good it is. And then the next verse I would read would be like in Kings where Elijah says, how long must you waver between two decisions? If God is God, serve him. If mammon, then serve mammon. And I would be like, okay, okay, okay. I had an awareness of what it meant to say yes and what it meant to say no. And I didn't like the no part because I knew what that meant. And I'm not saying that God would be mad at me and God would destroy me or any of that thing, any of those things. I'm just saying to you what it meant for me. And you can't cry out to God and, and pursue all the things that I have been pursuing and then say no. It would, end well. it would not end well. Financially, all the things. I told my wife, babe, I really think I'm supposed to do this and I think the time is now. And she said, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, okay, spend some time with the Lord. Just pursue his heart. Pursue his heart. And crazy enough, one of the major encounters she had in this process was also from Kings with Elijah, the prophet. And the Lord said to her, if you, if you don't know the story, I'll give you a brief description. Elijah is there. There's the prophets of Baal, and there's another set of prophets, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these prophets that are false prophets, right? And Elijah is telling them, if your God's so awesome, why don't you cause them, have them send fire from heaven and burn up this sacrifice, right? And they're crying out to their God, and they're cutting themselves and cutting themselves, and nothing's happening. So he mocks them, and he says, you know what? Let's bring a bunch of water over here. Bring all that water over here. There's a famine in the land. Water's the most valuable thing on the planet at that time. A drought, sorry. They dump water all over this. Several times they dump water on the sacrifice. It, the water is down in the trenches below the sacrifice, right? Below the wood. And then Elijah calls down fire from heaven and burns up the sacrifice, the wood, and licks up all the water and it's dry. And all the prophets of Baal are freaking out and all the people are going, oh my gosh, that's the real God. Right? And then it gets weird, and Elijah kills all of them. <laughs> As, I mean, right? <laughs> um, so my wife's driving in the car. She's asking the Lord, what, what, what do you want to do, Lord? And the Lord says to her, wet your wood. And then in, in her mind, she's going, oh, gosh. Why? <laughs> Why? What about the money? What about the, what about the security? What about the, 
you know. When she told me that, I was like, oh, man, you're so amazing, God. You're so amazing. And then I have just loved ones in here that are prophetic, and they have prophetic words about finances and how God's going to move so supernaturally this year that it'll be like nothing we've ever seen. These are all things that you put into your into your tank of faith, right? I got this prophetic word about finances. I got a prophetic word from Kevin uh, gave me a prophetic word one day. He said, your baby is, he said, this is going to sound weird. Your baby is talking to me, right? I was distraught. I was distraught. In this moment, I was really distraught. I was here, but I was distraught. My dad had passed away in the summer of last year. And I'm like, Lord, what is really going on? What is this really about? And Kevin comes to Prosh comes to me and says, it's going to sound weird. Your baby's talking to me. And I'm like, dude, at this point, I just need something from the Lord. I'm desperate. He says, the Lord is preparing your office. I don't know what that means, but he's saying that it's almost ready. Hang in there. It's almost ready. And then I sit down next to him and I say, I'm at the end of my, I'm, I feel I'm at the end of my ropes. Not like emotionally or depressed or suicidal, not like that. I just feel like I'm at the edge of where God is moving, where I feel like he's moving. And he says, just, he cries and says, just hold on, man. Just hold on. It's so close. It's so close. And if you don't have that, if you're in a, in a place or a church or a community where you don't have that, what happens? I'll let you use your imagination. I don't know, but thank God this happened to me and just kept me moving, kept me moving. So we make a decision to go all in, to give it all up. On the day that I got my award for 20 years of service, at Driscoll, I called Pastor David and said, I want to give you my answer. We met in a parking lot and I told him, I'm all in. Right? That day, a guy shows up at my house in the evening, serves me papers, I'm being sued. <laughs> I'm like, I call them, they're like, bro, that's confirmation. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I just, like, I couldn't have like four hours to celebrate. <sighs> one of the coolest things about this whole encounter was I, I was pulling into my driveway one day and the Lord reminded me of a conversation I had with my aunt and uncle. They were missionaries in Zambia for like 20, 25 years or something. When I first finished nursing school, I wasn't serving the Lord. And they asked me if I wanted to come to Zambia with them and do mission work. And I, it wasn't even a consideration. I said, no, that's not something I'm going to do. I, I blew them off quick because in my mind, I want to make money. You know, I want to, I don't want to do that. I want to like all the things that the world offers. So in the process of making this decision, I pull into my driveway one day and the Lord says, remember that conversation you had? And we're talking 22 years ago or 23 years ago. He said, this is your second chance. 
So some of y'all in here, you feel like you've made decisions that steered you away from your destiny. But God's saying this is your second chance. There's third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. That's the beauty of our God. So I have two questions I want to answer for you today. One's going to be very corporate sounding, and one's going to be very much in a parable form. Number one, what is my vision as the executive pastor going forward? So I'm coming from the corporate world, so bear with me. But my vision for this position is to serve you, our pastors, and leadership team with excellence to establish government by which we will be united into one common purpose and goal to oversee the business side of things with integrity, honor, and godly character. I am, I am a rule follower, which works out good for people in my position so that we don't make bad decisions with money and things of that nature. If you're going to do kingdom well, which we are, Rock City does kingdom well, then you, you will grow. There's no way around it. You will grow. So we have to prepare for that by developing our leaders, our staff, and our volunteers. And I believe that that is one of the re reasons why I'm here. It would be easy for me to come up here and say all those things and then not do anything. So I want y'all to hold me accountable to what I'm telling you. If I'm not in the process with you, then you have the permission to say to me, I feel like you're not in the process with me. I'm not the healer. I'm not the deliverer. I'm not the one that's going to fix you. I'm not the, I'm not the one who's going to clean you up. Neither, are, neither is Pastor David and Amber or the leaders. It's not us. It's, it's you and the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ coming into your life and touching you. If you don't have that, then you'll stay right where you are and you'll struggle and you'll struggle and you'll struggle and you'll struggle. The second question I have for you is to answer for you is in parable form. And this is where it gets a little more complex. So bear with me. We're going to do a second part of this on the 17th that will get a little bit more in depth. But I've taken parables that the Lord has put in the Bible that he gave to his guys. Jesus would give parables to his guys, right? They would hear him, and then they would go, oh, I don't really know what that means. Lord, can you explain that? And Jesus would go, hijo, guys, right? <laughs> and then he would explain it, right? So I want to talk to you about a couple of things in this process. One is dirt. The dirt is, your, is the dirt of your heart. It's it's the dirt of who you are. It, sometimes dirt is, has thorns in it. Or if you're from the bluff, it has sticker burrs. Sometimes dirt has rocks. Sometimes dirt is trampled on. Some of you guys, you've been trampled on your whole life. It's a busy path. A lot of people have walked on it. Seeds can't grow in it because it's so packed. Seeds can't grow in dirt with rocks because they don't allow it to get deep. Thorns will grow up and choke your seed. God wants you to, you're the dirt of your heart to be good ground, good soil. The only way to get there is to surrender and 
jump into the process with him. The only way to get there. It's not, it's not enjoyable. Like being a Christian is not fun sometimes. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, God, you have to be my strength. God, you have to be my source. You have to be the one that sustains me. And if it's, you're not at that point, hold on, because it will come. And you will realize what it means to have God as your source. The next part of this is, I talked to you about the dirt, the ground. God wants you to be good ground. He wants you to allow his spirit to come into your heart and change you so that your ground becomes good and fertile. He is the seed. The seed is the word of God. I have a scripture for that that I want to share with you. Luke chapter 8, verse 11 through 15. This is Jesus explaining to the guys after he's told them the parable. They've asked him, and he said, Hijo, and then he said, this is what it means. Now the parable is this, guys. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they, the ones on the rocks are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy and have no root. These have no root, who believe for a while, and in time, in the time of temptation, they fall away. We've all been there, all of us. I know I have. Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Last Sunday, uh, in worship, I had a... uh, it was like a movie reel in my head. Uh, I guess you could say it was a vision. And I, I kept seeing stalks of wheat cut from a field. And the way they used to do it was they would, they would trim them and they would, they would be you know half of the stalk and they would wrap them with um, string and they would transport them that way to the, what they called the threshing floor. The threshing floor was typically a higher raised area that they would stand on and they would take the stalks of wheat up there and they would, they, they, they've done it different ways throughout time. Sometimes they would just slam it down on the ground several times. They'd use sticks. But one of the cool ways that they do it is this thing called a fleller. And it was a stick, like a nun, like a nunchuck, type of, like it had a nunchuck on the end, but it was a long stick and they would pound it like this. And it would knock all the pieces of grain loose. So the, the wheat grain, so that when the grain would fall off of the stalk, it would get knocked loose and all the chaff would fall with it. Those are the bits and pieces that surround the grain as it's growing, that help, help it give it nutrients and that kind of stuff, or, or maybe choke it out. And so the grain and the chaff fall onto the threshing floor. Now in ancient times, they would have to wait for wind to blow because the chaff was lighter than the grain. And it would blow the chaff off of the threshing floor to separate the, the grain seeds from the chaff. So this is a, a, a video the Lord's playing in my head last week during worship. And I'm asking him, what does this mean? What does this mean? 
Um, I love the the idea of like the chaff getting burned up and there's scriptures about it and, and all that. So I'm like, that is awesome. Like, what are you doing in my life? Get rid of the chaff, burn up the chaff. You know, I don't know how many times I've said that to the Lord, burn up the chaff in my life. You guys do that too, or is it just me? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so after church, um, Quinn comes up to me and says, Hey man, I got a word for you. And I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I'll never say no. And um, he said, I saw you working in, at a mill. A mill is a building equipped with machinery for grinding grain into flour. The Lord says you are going to grind the grain of Rock City Church. You are the important tool to bring the grain of this church and form it all into one flour. There was some other stuff involved in that, but that part is for me. But I said, dude, you don't even know what just happened during worship. And I told him the vision and he was like, yes. And we're all, Yeah. Right? Yes. So then Pastor David asked me if I would be willing to talk today. And so I'm praying about how do I incorporate all this in? So the beauty of this is that the process is not just the dirt getting cleaned. It's not just the grain getting separated, but it's also the grain being ground up on a mill to form it into flour, to work in unity as a team, not just Jeff doing what, my, I'm my own thing, right? I'm my dirt, my destiny is my own thing. But as a, as a group, we also have dirt and we also have destiny as a church going forward, right? The Lord has something very, very unique and, and interesting and amazing in our future. We can't see it yet. I can't. Maybe the prophetic people can. I don't see it yet, but I know the direction that we're heading is where is the right direction. And so my, my goal as the, for the church, as the executive pastor, my goal and my vision for the church would be that we come to a place we, where we're, our dirt is being purified, the seeds that are planted, which is the word of God, are growing and coming to full harvest, those seeds are then processed. The chaff is then removed. The seeds are then put into a mill, ground up into one flour, and we use the flour to make bread, which is the bread of life, right? Colton had a word for me today, bringing that around, the bread of life. If you, if you ask me, how are you going to do that? I would say, I don't know. And I don't have to know because the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to be the, the one guiding us in that process. But every single person in here has a part to play. Every person in here has a responsibility to submit to God's will for your life. Whether you do it or not, it's your call. I spent a lot of years not submitted and I can tell you those are the worst years of my life. I spent a lot of years submitted. They were hard, but they weren't the worst because I had him. And the harder it gets, the closer he comes. And the more he gives me as far as comfort goes and peace goes. I got a, I got a three-month-old and an almost two-year-old, and I'm 46. And I have five other kids that are from age 10 to 16. So you can imagine I'm busy and sometimes life is hard. That's putting it lightly. (laughs) 
So what's the point in this, you probably are asking, and I've shared briefly, but I want to partner with you in this process. I want to be able to help provide, I'm, I'm not a gardener, I would love to be a gardener, but I'm not. My, my grandpa was an amazing gardener, but he would build boxes. And I know Pastor Amber is an amazing gardener. You build boxes, right? You provide a place for the dirt to grow. The church is providing a place, sorry, for the plants to grow. We're providing a place for the dirt to sit, to be, to be surrounded and to be held together so that the dirt can be cleaned so that the plants can be planted, so that the the seeds can be harvested, and all those things. If you've come here thinking that we are going to change you and we're going to be your source, then you will be disappointed. It has to be the Spirit of God. It has to be the Lord. Once you get to that point, then all the pressure is off on the people. You You won't get disappointed with me as much. You won't get disappointed with other people that are helping you in the process. You'll be able to go, Lord, I know that you're the one. And I love them and I forgive them. And because there's going to be people that make mistakes. I'm going to make a mistake at some point. Uh, it's just inevitable, right? But we, we ask for forgiveness and we keep moving forward and we keep pursuing that. I don't know what it means to grind up grain. I don't know what that means. I don't, it sounds painful. I don't know if I've ever gotten to the grain grinding stage in this thing yet. But here's the beautiful thing is once you get there, you start all back over again. It doesn't, you don't get to the wheat and the chaff and the grain and the grinding and the flour and then be done. It all starts back over again. And the Lord says, well, now that you've got to that spot, here's something even harder. (laughs) Am I right? So, that's really all I have for today. Um, I want to get more in depth when we come back on, on how we do this together.